Blue Wire. Hello, everyone, and welcome to another edition of The Rebuild. I'm Henry Ettinger, joined by Jordan Climac to discuss the latest in the Browns world. Jordan, how are you doing? We got the Browns, we got the Cavs, a lot of Cleveland sports in the news. The Guardians are starting, you know, here. Yeah, yeah, yeah. The Guardians are on the, are, are on the back page right now. <laughs> it's, <laughs> it's, it's, as they kind of always have been. Uh, it's all Browns, all Cavs right now, man. Um, but we're doing good, uh, you know, living life, taking it one day at a time. It's, it's freezing over here. It's like 20 degrees in Cleveland right now. And, uh, it's supposed to be in like the seventies tomorrow. So, you know, March in Cleveland, man, it's, it's one of those things where like one day it's freezing the next day you can golf. So like, that's kind of where we are right now. Just trying to get to May. Really? That's, that's all I'm doing. Just get me to May when it's warm and I can actually go out and golf like three times a week. Yeah, man. It's, it, it's freezing here in Chicago too. I I'm tired of it. it. It's March 29th. It was like 28 degrees on my walk to the gym this morning. It's football weather. Frankly, uh, and I saw I, I saw the this is a total side tangent, but screw it. Uh, I, that the Bills are getting a new stadium and they're not making it a dome. Uh, I officially support the retractable roof in Cleveland because I want the Browns to be able to decide if this is if they get a new stadium one day, uh, whether or not they want like snow on the field for a game. Like that would be so fun if it's like, hey, we're playing Miami this week and it's November. Like screw it, roof open. It's like, oh, we're playing another team with a good run game. Like, nah, never mind. Because the weather in the Midwest is just, it's crazy, man. Yeah, it's funny, too, because I've seen people like, you know, but like, you know, what about the conditions? Like, we love the snow and like Cleveland and all that. It's like, well, do we? Uh, and like, it's also one of those things, too. Sometimes, where, like, <laughs> it, so, sometimes we do. But I mean, how, how many meaningful Browns games can you remember in, in, in recent years that have taken place in like, inclement weather like I, I can't really think of any to be honest with you I mean fine weather for the playoff game in Pittsburgh uh same thing in Kansas City you know like I, I can't really think of one off the top of my head but I don't know you know the, you, the, the whole roof thing and that that really goes back to a it's a money thing right I mean like because if you have the roof there yeah. you're able to put it on you can have more events there you bring in more revenue it's that kind of thing but I don't know I don't know where I come out on that uh, I, I would always kind of prefer roof but at the same time like I like the stadium being on the lake. Like it's really nice when it's nice out, but obviously it's really bad when it's bad out. So <laughs> it's kind of how it is. Yeah. Yeah. Total side tangent. We'll get back to, to normal Browns news here. And, and on a much more serious note, Jordan, I think the place to start is with the, the Deshaun Watson press conferences and, and, and comments from Andrew Barry and Kevin Stefanski on Friday. Uh, we haven't recorded since those, uh, and there was a lot of reaction to it. What what did you make uh, of the various comments from all parties uh, that were there? So let's let's kind of take this step by step. Let's start with the first one, and that was uh, Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski, Deshaun Watson press conference. Um, you know, I thought with that one and those three guys in particular, I thought it went about as well as it possibly could have for, you know, that kind of awkward and uncomfortable situation. And that was kind of my first takeaway was like, man, this is awkward. This is uncomfortable. You could tell at times Andrew Barry felt uncomfortable talking about the situation. Kevin Stefanski felt, you know, uncomfortable talking about the situation, which I ultimately think is a good thing, right? I mean, because it's kind of like, okay, these are like compassionate human beings that understand like this is a hard thing to talk about. And um, so from that perspective, I thought it went really well. I thought they were prepared I think that they sounded, you know, as confident as they could 
in, in their decision and the process that went on. And it's funny. Cause like, I think I heard the word odyssey um, more times during that press conference that I ever have in my entire life. Uh, Andrew Barry kept referring yeah. to like the five month odyssey that it was of like, you know, reviewing Deshaun Watson and, and kind of courting him and, and, and getting him in here. Um, so from that perspective, I thought it went well. I thought Andrew Barry again and Kevin Stefanski sounded, you know, prepared and, and they knew what they were going to say. You knew you weren't going to get a lot out of them. They kept going back to the legal process and all of that. Um, from Deshaun Watson's standpoint, Henry, I thought, you know, you know, I wasn't going to, I wasn't looking at that press conference to decide like, Oh, do I believe him or do I not believe him? Like, is he innocent or is he guilty? Like, that's not what I was listening to that press conference for. I was kind of listening to be like, well, does he sound genuine? How is he going to handle himself in a pressure filled kind of awkward, uncomfortable situation? And again, I thought he kind of did as best as he could for someone put in that situation. And, you know, it's certainly been uncomfortable for him. So for him to come out like that, I thought it was good from kind of all fronts. When we talk about the first press conference of the day, going back to last Friday, when, um, you know, of course, we heard from Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski and Deshaun Watson. Yeah, my, my, my take on it was just kind of that it, there really was no news out of it. I felt like a lot of people were trying to make a lot out of the press conference one way or the other. And, and, and I feel similarly to you as far as, you know, Deshaun Watson and, and the off the field things that we, you know, there's still an ongoing legal process there. I think Browns fans are all aware of that at this point and, and I'll kind of wait for uh, us to find out more from that. I mean, you know, we're not going to learn anything. Uh, I, I think from Deshaun Watson at a Browns press conference, I think Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry did exactly what I thought they were going to do, which is they seem kind of prepared for the obvious questions. Uh, and then when, when Browns media rightfully, I thought for, for how much, it, it flack the Browns media gets. I thought a lot of them asked uh, good questions, uh, the right questions. And, and I think Kevin Stefanski and Andrew Barry seem prepared and defaulted back to the fact that there's an ongoing legal process. So my, my, my overall takeaway was no news other than what you mentioned is that they, they talked about this five month odyssey for Deshaun Watson a lot. And if you do the math, five months was, Pretty early on into the Brown season, Jordan, I thought that part was a little interesting that they they talked about this has been a a, a long process uh, that, yeah. that clearly stemmed back to early on in, in Baker Mayfield's uh, 2021 campaign. So that was surprising to me. And and the funny thing about that is soon we'll get into you know the owners uh, Jimmy and D Haslam, you know their separate Zoom call. And it's funny to me because like Jimmy has him tried to walk that back. Right. He kind of was like, no, it, it wasn't. He's, he literally referenced the Andrew Berry comment and like of the five months. He's like, oh, well, it wasn't actually five months. But I think that they the bronze knew pretty early on. Um, again, I'll go back to that Thursday night in Denver where they were kind of like, well, maybe we do kind of need to explore our options here. And, and again, like if you're going to make a, a, a decision that of this magnitude of this kind of you know, controversy and everything that goes into making a decision like bringing Deshaun Watson in, I would hope that you, you know, spent months kind of reviewing it and, and kind of vetting out the process and, and, and deciding amongst yourselves if it's the right move to make. So I thought that was interesting, Henry, but like, I don't know. I can't really say I'm surprised though. Can you like, I mean, maybe the fact that it was, you know, probably during the year where they started to have these conversations of like, Hey, Deshaun Watson, here's there someone else out there. But at the end of the day, I think we all kind of knew like, hey, if the Browns would have had just average quarterback play last year, it could have been a playoff team. But they had below average quarterback play. If you had average play, you could have been a playoff team. If you had good to superior quarterback play, 
who knows what could have happened. And I think the Browns kind of were under that same mindset throughout the year as well. Yeah. If if anything, to me, this uh, says that from a football perspective, they were never truly satisfied with, with Baker. You know, they, it seemed, you know, that they were already doing it goes, Henry, it goes all the way back to the offseason when he led them to the playoffs in 2028, won a playoff game, was one of the top-rated quarterbacks from a quarterback rating standpoint throughout the last, like, five or six weeks of the season, and he didn't get a contract extension off of that. Like, if, if you rewind all the way back to that, that kind of tells you everything they need to know. If, if, you're, if this guy was at his best and you weren't willing to give him that contract extension, then it wasn't going to happen, certainly, after this year. Well, and then there were the, the reports later on about – oh, did Baker turn down a $30 million a year extension? And then the answer was no, that was never offered uh, from some competing reporting. But to me, it all goes back to, uh, you know, Andrew Barry, and, and I all and I continue to reference this on this podcast, and I just looked it up again, is when he talked with Kevin Clark a, about his philosophy on quarterback. And he talked about how it's, hey, it's the most, a position, it's the most important position in sports. We're doing everything we can to support that position. It's the position that's going to drive you. Once that's settled, you know, on the field, off the field, everything else can be a priority. But until then, nothing else is a priority. He clearly comes up under that philosophy and is that makes sense that he would be doing everything he could to upgrade at the quarterback position research wise ahead of time if he didn't think it was good enough. So that that was really the one takeaway I had from that entire press conference was as you said, the, the Browns were just truly never all the way there on, on Baker. And that was a little surprising to me, given, as you mentioned, how he played at the end of last you know, two seasons ago with the playoff game. Yeah. And then you got to remember at the end of the day too, like Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski, the guys in that front office on that coaching staff in that locker room, like ultimately they know more than we do. And I mean, that might sound like an obvious statement, but I just mean from the standpoint of they see Baker every single day whether it be in practice, whether it be in film sessions, whether it be in the locker room, whether it be how, you know, kind of the, you know, camaraderie he's built up with the teammates, that kind of thing. So like they have a better idea of this than we do. And that's obvious to say, but some people can't understand to grasp that. Um, But like, I just think that it comes down to that, right? Like, Hey, they saw this guy every day. They knew who he was. They were, they felt comfortable saying like, Hey, let's not like break the bank for a contract for this guy that we don't are ultimately at the end of the day, aren't sure on. And, you know, there was probably times Henry where Stefanski and Barry, they're both like, well, yeah, it was a really good week of practice. Uh, Baker was good here. And they get conflicted kind of like, "Uh, is he the guy? Is he not the guy at the end of the day? If you can't answer that question yourself, you probably know the answer. And from an on the field football standpoint, I don't think that Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski and company are sitting there questioning if Deshaun Watson can be the guy. And at the end of the day, that's why you make a move like you did. It's funny. I saw a, a, a video compilation and it was Kevin Stefanski getting seemingly frustrated with uh, Baker Bayfield. Uh, and, and we all know Kevin Stefanski is not one to show his emotions a lot. So they weren't, they weren't like, you know, throwing the headset down to right. frustrations <laughs> by any means, but it, it was a compilation. And then at the end it said, these are all from 2020. Uh, you know, because everybody was thinking, and me included, when I was watching the video, like, oh, this is like Baker in 2021, like all this stuff. And then it was like, no, these are like plays in 2020 that, that clearly Kevin Stefanski thinks were, were, were left out on the field, uh, even at Baker's best. So I, I thought that was interesting. Uh, but yeah, it, it just seems like they, they were never sold on him. Uh, it, it, let's, let's talk about, uh, um, I guess, 
First, let's talk about the uh, news from Roger Goodell today that that the Sean Watson, there's no timetable for that suspension. And then I want to go into Baker off of that. What, what were you going to say? I just wanted to touch on uh, uh, Jimmy and D Haslam's press conference. Oh yes, yes, we we got to yeah. go through that one first. Yeah, let's talk yeah. about let's talk about that. What was your reaction to to Jimmy's comments? Because I, as you said, it was so, uh, it was a little bit interesting that he he started to walk back some of the things in the previous one. Yeah, I thought like complete day and night opposite from you know Andrew Barry, Kevin Stefanski, and Deshaun Watson. And, you know, it starts with the fact that they weren't present for it, right? This is the biggest move that they've ever made in the history of that franchise, biggest trade that's ever gone down in the history of of the franchise, not even just talking about the 10 years in which they've been in an ownership role with the Cleveland Browns. Um, You know, they claim they were out of the country on, you know, some sort of business. It wasn't even owners uh, meetings related. I don't want to speculate on what they were doing, you know, charity or, or, or whatnot. I don't know what it was, but for them to not be present. I mean, first off, bad look there. Um, to not face the media face to face after making a decision of this magnitude and, and the controversy that surrounds it. And I just thought they, you know, it was, like I said, the complete opposite, Henry, you know, we carried this live on our show and like, there were multiple times listening to this press conference where I'm like, my jaw dropped. It's like, that was just said, like, there was a couple of times I don't remember has him, you know, he had his back and forth with Jake Trotter over the, you know, you know, not interviewing the, you know, the 22 women that were, you know, accused and like getting that side of things. And basically Haslam was like, you know, we, we read the dispositions or whatever and like made a decision off of that. And then it was like, well, you do realize that not all of them have given one. And then he kind of like fumbled his words and like, you could just tell he wasn't as prepared. And it, there were just multiple times where they came off looking bad. Like I forget the exact question, but he said something of like, you know, we'd actually never asked Deshaun about that. And then you can see he like thought about it for a second. He's like, oh, hold on. No, no, we actually, we, we did. We, we did actually ask him about that. And it was just like, whew, I don't know. It's just, it was a bad look. I thought it was the exact opposite of Andrew Berry, Kevin Stefanski and Deshaun. They seemed poised. They seemed kind of, you know, comfortable in as uncomfortable of the situation as possible. And I just didn't get that feel from uh, D and Jimmy Haslam, but Jimmy in particular, man, it seemed like every time he opened his mouth, I was like, oh man, what are you saying? And walking things back, like the five month odyssey thing that we talked about also walked back the whole adult comment, right? Um, you know, we talked about in the previous podcast, Henry of the, the mm-hmm. Browns, you know, the Chris Mortensen report that they want adult there. He all of a sudden out of nowhere addressed that like, Hey, that didn't come from me. And the other thing that rubbed me the wrong way about this, he didn't take ownership for anything. In fact, you know, the reports of this entire time, Henry, have been this started with ownership and ownership brought this to the front office. And I'm talking about the, you know, the move to acquire Deshaun Watson. And, and Jimmy came down and shot that down, too. He's like, no, this was a football operations move. They brought it to us. We had to sign off on it. I'm like, man, you own this team. Take ownership of some of this stuff. It seemed like they didn't want to do that. It was a very uncomfortable press conference. And if that's not telling at all, if you go to clevelandbrowns.com right now, You'll find the Deshaun Watson press conference. You'll find, you know, a bunch of Cleveland Browns daily episodes, this, that, and the other. One thing you won't find is Jimmy and D Haslam's press conference. It's not posted on the website, and I don't think that's by accident. Uh, it was a bad look when when they t- met with the media on Friday, Henry. I agree, uh, and I think that's a, a, a microcosm of this team a little bit is that ownership has been, you know, the the thing that's tripped them up the last couple of years. And I talk about it all the time. Our ownership is the greatest competitive advantage in sports. And sometimes that means getting out of the way. Sometimes that means getting involved at the right time. Uh, but it, it, well, you know, 
their process for whatever they did on, on, on Deshaun Watson. We clearly don't know all the details. I know there are legal intricacies in, involved of whether or not they should speak to the 22 women. And there's all sorts of, you know, I, and I'm not an expert on that. So I don't even really want to go down that road of whether they should or shouldn't have done that. But the fact that it wasn't buttoned up, it, it, as you said, in the same way that Stefanski and Barry were, whatever decisions you decided on as an organization for your process, for, you know, ultimately the decision of, uh, of making the move for Watson, you know, the Barry Stefanski side of things had a clear uh, way that they were going to address that. Uh, they, they clearly were prepared for a lot of the questions that came their way. This press conference wasn't before that, right? Like, it wasn't like they did this on Wednesday and then these guys were on Friday and they had two extra days to see what the media was going to ask. Like, how could Jimmy and, and, and D Haslam not come off more prepared? It didn't make any sense to me. And again, I thought it was a microcosm of the fact that, hey, the ownership here is something that, that, that Browns fans have to pay attention to as something that's relevant for this team going forward because it, nothing is just a football decision. It never works that way but particularly in a case like this. I mean, come on. Like, it, it, it's, it, it was so outlandish to even suggest that. It was like, all right, sure, like, Jimmy, like, nobody in their right mind believes you right now. Same with the adult comment. It's like nobody yeah. in, in your right in their right mind believes you right now. Yeah, it was just like – it was just – like, the, the polar opposites, right? And, like, in, and it was kind of – that's why it was disheartening because it was like, oh, okay, this is like – you know, like after the Barry Stefanski and Watson press conference as a Browns fan, and like I try and take the media side out of some of these things and kind of just look at it from a Browns uh, per fandom perspective and try and get like the general fans um, take on it. And like and I was kind of just sitting there like, OK, I kind of feel better about this. You know, I've been conflicted for, you know, since it went down. But then listening to them talk, like, okay, no, I feel better about this. I felt like they were prepared. They, they made me feel a little bit better. And then, the, and then the, the two hours later, I was like, no, man, I feel bad about this now. And it was just like, I don't know how they weren't on the same page. And like you said, a kind of a microcosm of this franchise, a kind of a microcosm of the 10 years that uh, the Haslam's have been in charge of this organization. Uh, Jordan, we, we only have a, a few minutes here, so I want to tie. I'll tie the the Goodell news in with uh, some of the Baker Mayfield news. You know, Goodell mentioned that Deshaun Watson's suspension. There's no timeline for when that decision may come. And then we got two interesting reports that kind of mold together here. One uh, from Josina Anderson talking about the fact that that Baker Mayfield could possibly start. Uh, the season on the Browns, if and, and when Watson is suspended, if there's not the right market. And then an, a, another report saying, you know, that, that teams are interested in Baker, but just waiting for him to be released, essentially, that they don't think they have to give up compensation for him. Well, what have you made of, of all the recent Baker Mayfield news, uh, you know, coming off of our last discussion about his trade market or lack thereof? So I'll start with the, you know, Justine Anderson report today. And actually, I think Ian Rappaport had a similar report uh, a couple of days ago yeah. where you mentioned like, hey, there's a scenario where like Baker Mayfield remains on the Browns and Deshaun Watson is suspended and Baker Mayfield actually starts a couple of games for the Cleveland Browns next year. I mean, Henry, I've tried to envision this. I've tried to picture this. I've tried to view this with an open mind. <laughs> I just can't see any scenario where one, it makes sense. And two, that this would even happen. Um, you know, just knowing the type of person Baker Mayfield is, 
Do you think Henry sitting here right now that you think he's someone that's going to be like, no, it's okay. You guys can start me while my, while my replacement gets ready. He's not that type of guy. He's petty to the point where he saw that the Browns were out of the Deshaun Watson sweepstakes. And he said, you know, I was offended that you tried to go out him. I'm not going to be your quarterback next year. Like that's the level of pettiness we're dealing with. So starting from that standpoint, I see no case or no scenario at all where he is, you know, where he would accept that from his position. Um, you know, I guess you could look at it from maybe like, Hey, if you go out there and fall out, you, you know, you rise up your trade value, you get your, you know, some good play on film. I get it from that standpoint, but I just don't, I think his level of petty that he has and his type of personality would not lend you to believe that that would be possible. And then from the Brown standpoint, you run the risk of running the same guy that brought locker room problems into your locker room back this year, knowing he doesn't want to be there, knowing you guys don't want to have him there. It just seems like a scenario, Henry, where I just, I really can't see this one playing out. I, I see no scenario at all. I see no world in which Baker Mayfield starts another game for the Cleveland Browns, let alone multiple games. There is a 0.00% chance Baker starts a game for the Browns next year. Like I would put my life savings on the fact that you, you would believe, jump. do you believe that he would get released before that this would ever happen? Cause I think the Browns would eat sooner eat 18 million or at least some of that. I think Baker would have to give some money back, but I, I think it's more of a possibility that he gets released and the Browns eat money than having him start games for you next year. Yeah, I do. Uh, and, and the only other scenario that I was going to suggest that's possible is that he's on the roster, you know, as in, you know, their whole, but he's not at camp. He's, you know, they, they basically sent, you know, in the same way that we see like NBA guys get sent away. I could see a scenario like that where they're just essentially waiting for somebody to get hurt on another team where then they'll trade for Baker Mayfield because we see this every year, right? Like uh, quarterbacks get hurt in training camp early on in the season. They need another quarterback and maybe they stash Baker for that. But not only it doesn't make zero sense for the Browns to play him because of you mentioned of the personal dynamics, it makes, there's no upside for Baker in doing that either. Like you said, Oh, if he plays well, I mean, maybe, but also what if he doesn't play well, like Baker's whole contention here is like, Hey, I tore my labrum last year. Like that's why I wasn't good. He's not about to go play a game or two for the Browns and potentially risk like not looking great. And then, you know, then where, then where is he going to go? Like then he's stuck to the, you know, a team's not taking a chance on him as a starting quarterback at this point, they may not anyway, but I don't think there's any upside for Baker really, you know, unless he thinks, oh, I'm for sure going to like go ball out and, and prove them wrong. But the Browns already signed Jacoby Brissett for a reason. Jacoby Brissett is going to be starting if Deshaun Watson is not playing. Like they already have paid him. They brought him in. That is going to happen. Baker Mayfield is not going to start for the Browns unless there is some crazy scenario where like multiple QBs are hurt and he's still on the roster for some reason. But it's not. No, it's just not even happening. It, it, as I said, it's a zero percent chance. It's not happening. Yeah, it's one of those things where like I can't even believe this is being reported. Like I, I maybe you heard it somewhere, but like, do you does anyone actually out there believe that this is a realistic and, and plausible scenario? Like I, I haven't oh. came across one person that's like, oh no, I actually could see this happening. I, I'll tell you why it's being reported because somebody on the Browns who's mad about Baker Mayfield's lack of a trade market is trying to say. Oh, well, we could keep them, you know, we could, they're trying to just claw back any sort of leverage they could possibly get. It's a smoke screen that I'm sure everybody can see right through, but that's why it's being reported. Uh, I, and I think, you know, when it comes to this trade market in general, my thought at this point is, okay, now 
now it's time to be patient. So I, I will say that yeah. is at, at first I was saying, hey, they, they have it's a challenge for the Browns because this market may not be what you want, but you need to move them to get the cap space. At this point, it doesn't seem like that's really an option for anything of value. So you might as well be patient. Hope somebody gets hurt and needs a quarterback. Hope somebody who loves a quarterback at the draft misses out on the guy they really want. And they say, okay, we'd rather go with Baker Mayfield than, you know, a guy in the second or the third round, you know, something like that for next season. To me, like now is the scenario where, hey, if you're not going to get any value, be patient because what is releasing them now? Do? It does nothing. I mean, you can wait uh, for a while. And then, as you mentioned, you know, worst, the worst case scenario is they release him, Baker goes sign somewhere else and they get, uh, it, it, I believe it's offset. So wherever he signs gets taken out of the, the cap hit uh, for the Browns. Uh, I, I'd have to double check on that, but I'm pretty sure that's how it works. So releasing him now and just having that 18 million stuck on your books until he signs somewhere else. I mean, unless there's a move they have to make and Baker already has a team that says, hey, we're going to sign you for X millions of dollars. And that lines up perfectly with the amount of space the Browns need. Otherwise, there's just no sense in the Browns doing this now. I couldn't agree more. Um, this now is the time to be patient, and I, I think they will. And I wouldn't be surprised if this thing drags in well into the summer. Uh, I, I really wouldn't. I just don't see the sense of urgency. And like you said, there's usually that you know one or two brutal injuries. You know, not like we're wishing injury upon anyone. That's just the kind of way the, that these things play out. Then all of a sudden, Baker Mayfield's value goes up a little bit more because he's a guy with experience who you can slide in to um, you know certain situations. But yeah, I, I truly do not think that this is, is you know going to be decided anytime soon, Henry. And, and like you said, I, I don't think it should because, I mean, there's just so many different factors that go into this. And from a cap standpoint uh, for the Browns, just the main thing is like, you know, I, I've heard some rumors too of like, you know, if, if the Browns, you know, and I think that's how it works, right? It, it, you were talking about like, you, you don't know the, the exact optics of like, you know, how his contract would play out, but I believe it would be similar to exactly what happened with Odell, right? Where like, the Browns, you'd come to some sort of agreement and maybe well, Baker would give a couple too, million yeah. back. Yeah, I think Baker would give a couple million back. You end up ultimately paying out some of his contract, but that essentially ends his contract. And then wherever else he goes, he's free to sign for for whatever deal. And I think that's kind of how it played out with Odell. He kind of signed for like the veteran minimum when he actually did sign with the Rams. And, and then I think that would obviously bring different value to Baker on, on you know, with his contract bought out essentially because – you know, we go back to the lack of trade market for him, Henry. I don't think it has anything to do with his play, although his play hasn't been great, obviously. It's all about that $18 million. So if you're able to get rid of that $18 million, obviously the Browns would have to eat it. And like we said, that's kind of worst-case scenario. But ultimately, that's kind of how I see this playing out. Yeah, I, I, I saw that scenario played out too, uh, I think, from – Gosh, I can't remember who who was uh, I, I saw, but yes, do it. That's another option: is restructure the contract like they did with Odell, uh, but before cutting him ultimately to to change the dynamics of how it hits the Browns' cap while still getting Baker, you know, essentially the same amount of money uh, overall. So there's that, and then I think the straight up release though is just hey, if he signs for somebody else, that offsets with whatever eighteen million dollars he's owed. But again, I. I, I still think teams are, are, are going way overboard here. So if I'm the Browns, I'm just like, all right, let's sit back. Let's wait. You know, everybody right now thinks a scenario, you know, plan A is going to work 